Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. Look, it's all like we're having the same problems because we're doing the same thing. Ah, oh, look at that. What? Brandon Singh comes up and says we're recording. I don't have that. I just have to say I'm recording. I wish oh. I was more technically advanced. I really do. Your mother got a new phone, and outside of it taking about six hours to download because she has 50 million pictures, it all went pretty smooth, but I'm still scared to death. Scared to death of getting a new phone. Scared <laughs> to death. Uh, I just of what exactly? I'm scared of losing something, of not getting everything on my new phone. I don't go in the cloud because I don't like getting everybody's shit. Okay, I don't want you know Mike's music and Sydney's music to all what. You what? what? <laughs> I think the like the cloud is some like I hate like the, literally a the virus cloud. that's going to come up, floats up to the cloud and everything is in my cloud and it's like a black cloud hanging over me. <laughs> this is like in the that movie The Interns uh, where he goes put it on the line. <laughs> yeah, I put it on the on line. the line. But I mean, seriously, the, the not, cloud... none of that's going to happen. I'm not even on your guys' iTunes account <laughs> oh, no. anymore. No, but Sydney <laughs> is. And tell me, explain to me this. Jenny is not on anything we have either, right? Nothing. When I put something in my on the my calendar or my memo, Ooh. she gets it. How you have your calendar? You have your calendar shared with her. Yeah. How? We're not, I don't have anything shared with her. The I, my cloud, I'd like... Um, that could be on her end. I, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't know. It, 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 it is. It, it, it also could... Yeah, it could be a mistake on her end because <sighs> I had to talk to my wife about it because she was... All of her appointments were popping up on my Google calendar and I was like, I think I don't need to know and she's telling me that it was on purpose. Like, I thought it was an accident, but it was... So, it's purpose. on purpose. But this, obviously... No, can't, Jen, not from you. Yeah, Jenny from has you. no clue why it is. We're not on the same anything. So, I, I don't understand. I guess I, I just go back to, like, you're worried about the music and stuff. Like, how diff Like, you probably have, what, your kind of set playlist that you go to at this point? Or you no, just I do, search but the I, song I, that you want? But, but isn't it all taking up more space than I want to have taken up? Not because Listen. not the cloud. The cloud actually makes it so it doesn't take yeah. more space. I need a tutorial. <laughs> cloud you, for dummies. Just go to the Apple Genius Bar and tell them, hey, I want to put my backup information onto the cloud. Because oh. then I want to get a new phone. And but they'll, it, say, it, they'll walk you is, over they, here and they'll give you some warm milk. And then they'll sit you down, and they'll give you an iPad to play with, and then they'll go do it. Well, how long did it take? How long did it take your mom to get a new phone? Like uh, it, for it to all download everything, about yeah. four or five hours. It does right, take yeah. forever. Like that's the cost of doing business when you get a new phone. And, that's just well, what it is. Plus, she has like thousands upon thousands of pictures, yeah. which I don't have. But if I was on the cloud, wouldn't I have all those pictures? 
No. I I, I would say I don't, I don't I would I would I would argue I don't fully understand it either. It's just like I know enough to to know what I have and don't have. I know enough to not know enough. You gotta know what you don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's, Write that down. It's because like my I I dropped my phone in the bathtub one time. Well, <laughs> no way. I <laughs> yeah, don't believe it. I did. And ever since then, my face ID has been disabled, and I can't get it back. Wow. I'm not you happy still don't want a new phone. Brandon, why did you say wow like that was a stunning turn of events? That is. Like, I mean, I, I, here's my thing. I don't know if I could have be. I don't know if I could have such an inconvenience on my phone and still not get a new one. Yeah, it's not, it's not a huge inconvenience because I have a lot of things where I save the password and I just hit the right. – the, 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 um, and the passcode's not that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's a lot, man. The world's it, it, a lot it, right it's now. Just, you know, and, and what's bad is I could take the time to learn it, but your mother does it for me or Sydney does it for me. Or if I have to outsource it to you or Jake. No, you have no desire to learn anything. Oh, no, I know. That's exactly right. Because you're right. I, I And I should. That's my fault. I should learn it. But I don't because it's way easier to say, grab one of you guys and say, do this for me. Yeah. Plus, Sydney thinks when she posts something for me, she's getting $5,000 per post. So <laughs> It's quite a rate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite a rate. Hey, everybody's time's important. I'll say this, though. This is why my mom was like acting like she didn't want to get a smartphone or iPhone at all. I said, you're going to have to text with your uh, with your what are the kids called? Granddaughter. Like you're going to need to text. So you're going to need to text with you're going to need to text with Jackson eventually. Right. So you need to be up on the technology. So whenever, you know, text have, with Jackson, he's a fetus right now. I, I'm, but you got to know. You got to get a leg up on him. That being said, Brandon, I will say my 91 year old mother texts actually pretty well. Wow. She does a pretty nice job of texting. So I give her a lot of credit for that. That's huge. She's even she wants to because she knows that I do a pod with DraftKings and obviously you guys as well. She actually, and I said, my brother Greg, who lives by her, will have to help her with this. She wants to learn how to go to the podcast and listen. So wow. It's pretty I impressive. Thought you, I thought you were going to say she wanted to learn to gamble on sports. <laughs> no. No, she has her place. She goes and gambles. <laughs> She's the easiest, easiest person to shop for. We send her a card with money in it, and she goes to her internet cafe where she gambles, and she just Oh, loves man. It. Oh, yeah. yeah. The internet Easy cafe thing. is actually where she goes and meets her bookie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. So <laughs> text Grandma Kate's got an offshore account. <laughs> it's unreal. It's unreal. When she goes, she'll leave us nothing because it'll all be gambled away. Yeah, it's, prob- it's probably hey, pretty fair. But can't take it with you. Quite am- honestly, Mike, between you, Jake, and Sydney, you probably guys won't have a lot either because your mother and I like to hit the casino. So That is pretty true. I am mostly waiting for the day, though, speaking of phones, where I have to make my text font like size Bigger. 72 yeah because Bigger. i noticed it's like it's not just you dad it is like yeah. every really man of a certain age has their phone font just maxed out <clears throat> i will say i was not been on the phone because i was out of town for a couple of days and i do see guys sitting by me with font way bigger than mine so it makes me feel a little better like you know my eyes aren't as, as bad yet as they're probably going to get. Because, man, you could, some of that font, I mean, I'm three seats away and I can read their conversation. 
And I do. Yeah. <laughs> the bubbles are so big. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't fit more than three words on a you, line. You walk past him on the way out of the plane like, listen, she's going to leave you, bro. Dude, you just yeah. have to accept it. You're, you better you better do what she said. I saw what she said. There. You <laughs> yeah, got to do that, man. Yeah. I, the first time I met, the only time I met Father Hesburgh, uh, went up to the, the tower, got the doors opened up, and I saw on his desk, like, his paper. Oh, whew. huge font! It's like the beginning, oh, yeah. of the, the, like the beginning of every novel. has got that one. <laughs> I wish it's like, like it's over like and in, over and it's over like in SpongeBob, SpongeBob when he's trying to write his school paper and he just writes the one really nice gigantic letter and can't come up with anything else. I I'll tell you there. what, I, I couldn't. I didn't need glasses at the time, but I saw it on the paper. I was like, oh my gosh, he's reading. Over there. Hey, we're, we're all going to get there at some point. Yeah. yeah we're all yeah. going to get there. Oh, I need glasses. I'm over here squinting during this whole thing. I need these, but the ring light gives that. So right. I just yeah. always, I don't, I always hey, take them off. You should get, you should get I LASIKs. These. I had LASIKs twice. It's great. I need to have glasses for X amount of years before I get it. Oh, okay. Like, because I just got, I think I just got glasses. And they, uh, like, they, they, they want to make sure the subscription sticks or whatever. Oh, okay. You know? Gotcha. <clears throat> subscription. <laughs> Your subscription. <laughs> Your prescription? Between, well, I, don't get me wrong. You just pluralized Lasix. <laughs> I did? Yes. Well, he said well, he got LASIK. it twice. Yeah, you're right. Well, he got I it, had twice, it twice, so. so there you go. So I was right. Lasix. I should have. I, I got lace, Lasix twice. Lasix. I got Lasix Lasix's twice. Thing. Oh, my God. Can I stop? Oh. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's all right, Dad. I found someone who might have finally supplanted your CTSY pronunciation moment. Really? Um, I saw a clip from Pardon My Take where Billy, Fo- Billy Football pronounced <coughs> Jack Nis- Nicholas's name Jack Nicklaus. No way. <laughs> he was, Is that the he thing was, they were teasing for a yes, long time? Where Billy, he was, oh he was reading a headline about Jack Nicholas being offered $100 million right, by right. that Saudi golf league. And he said, Jack Nicklaus. And they all just freaked oh, out. Oh, no. Yeah. That one won't go away. Mine was bad, I, I admit. But that, Nicklaus. I would feel way worse about that one without question. What, did you, what did you mispronounce? I uh, see, you know, um, I was doing a, a, or we played a soundbite. And I had to do courtesy of, right? And it said CTSY, and I said, CTSY. <laughs> I, I didn't say courtesy of whoever it was. It, and Mike picked it up like right away, and I mean, had them play it back <laughs> well, almost immediately. It was the, bad. The segment that we were doing was a yeah. segment where you play short, it was called That Bites, and we'd play short sound bites and then kind of crack jokes and riff on them. And so as he said it at the beginning, I got in our producer's ear, I said, did you all hear that? Clip that. We'll get through the rest of this fast, and then we will finish where we started this segment. We opened at the close. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was a bad one. It was a bad C-T-S-Y. one. C-T-S-Y. But I, but I went C-T-S-Y. I mean, it was about as, but I, I will say, if I said Nick Klaus, that would be, that would have been worse. Especially since, especially since I'm way closer to his age and I'm sure the person who said that is. Yeah, no, yeah. Billy is, Billy is a youth. And yeah, so yeah. there might be some excuse yeah, there, yeah. but uh, not much, Jeez. not much. Um, He'd be Jose Canseco though. Never forget. Never, Never forget. forget. Welcome to Gojo. Well, yeah. I'm Mike Golick Jr. With me as always is Brandon Newman. What, Brandon, do you want me to start it a different way? Do you want this no, to be no, better? No, no, I didn't. I mean, I, 
No, no. Your moves, you make the right moves, you make the right play. 90% of the time, I'm following your lead. Well, following our lead also today will be my father, Mike Golick Sr. It's Bring Your Dad to Work Day again this week. We had Stu Gotts come in on Friday last week, and uh, now that we've gotten the place properly fumigated after that, Dad, you're welcome to come back in. Oh, so Stu actually came on your show. So uh, Jess was on um, vacation for uh, Golick and Smetty, my podcast for for DraftKings, me and Jess, and I got you to co-host, and and Stu was supposed to join us as well as a co-host, and guess who didn't join us? So I guess I know where I stand. I mean, in his defense, we were recording during the hours of their national podcast. He has come off that and done things before. He just did not feel mm, I was mm, important mm. enough to do that. And yeah. I will I will remember. This is setting the scene for when both of you guys are on the pod, on uh, Gojo. So mm-hmm. this is I like true. I like this feud. We can let's, have let's a, keep it going. We can have a steel cage match since that will be the theme and the energy of the day because <laughs> yes. we have a bunch of stuff to get to. Um, we tease. We're going to do a mailbag episode today, so we've got plenty of questions from the. Um, the section of reviews on Apple Podcasts, which, by the way, download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo and Golik and Smeddy, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And we said, if you asked us a question in the reviews, it will get put to the top of the pile. We've got those. We've got questions from Twitter, Instagram. So we'll get to plenty of that stuff uh, as we go along here, as promised. But boy, oh boy, uh, yesterday was fun. <laughs> In ways that I was not ready for in the world of college football in the month of May. Mm. Because yesterday on the pod, we talked about Nick Saban at a meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, in front of a bunch of local business owners and leaders talking about name, image, and likeness. And in that conversation, Nick Saban sent out a couple of shots, talked about Jimbo Fisher, said he was buying his entire recruiting class at Texas A&M, talked about Deion Sanders, said he played, paid a million dollars to get Travis Hunter, big-time prospect, to come to Jackson State. And then we all went to bed. And then we woke up. And then the world started to burn because we had an emergency press conference from Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M at 10 o'clock in the morning. Deion Sanders went on the record as well later in the day with a member of the media covering Jackson State. And all of it, just felt so much like WWE. So, Dad, I want to start with you because I think at the core of this conversation was, and we're going to play the sound right here. Why don't we we slot that in right here? We've got the sound, the three-minute clip, or roughly three-minute clip, might even be longer than that, of Jimbo Fisher's response to Nick Saban saying he bought his entire recruiting class. And I think it's worth playing here because I just want everyone to hear how Jimbo sounds, which is like normal, like he is a live auctioneer, but there might even be a little more oomph in all of this. So take a listen. Last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. That They broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. 
It's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we've got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. I know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. I promise you this. There are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? Uh, to the left, Olin. Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And, uh, he shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted to. You got all the advantages? Uh -huh. It's easy. And I just wanted to uh, just put it point blank. So no players in your, you're saying that no players in There's the There's no, no laws of anything we ever or? promised done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17-year-old and his family broke laws. No. Down front, Brent. You know, y'all have both spoken so highly of each other in the past in terms of what y'all have done in your previous relationship. So how disappointing was it to hear that from him, you know, in terms of, you know, a mentor type to you it's as disappointing. well? No, I wasn't. Now, listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. Woo! Woo! Man! Ah, I, the, there were two things that I thought of right off the bat. One... If things ever go wrong at Texas A&M for Jimbo Fisher, clearly he will not be going back and re-enrolling in Alabama's school of wayward boys that usually is the, where coaches go back to kind of revitalize their career. And two, there are probably a lot of former Saban assistants who are getting calls from reporters who are sending that shit straight to voicemail. So, Dad, the central part of this is both of them were very open about spreading what essentially amounts to in-house business, locker room business. They are guys that are more in line with your era, and I know for you, it's always been, hey, we handle these things house, we keep them in the family. So how surprised were you that they were this brazen about all this to begin with? Well, I mean... Uh Jimbo wasn't brazen. Jimbo was just answering, you know, re reacting to... But, I mean, he responded by saying, hey, look at how he's done his business. Go and dig if you guys want to yeah. find out how well, he got to where he was. Like, he basically insinuated yeah, that Nick's did. been operating below the he, table. He did. He, he absolutely did. And he, and he did that out of reaction to what was said about him. So, I think we should quickly set the table of Nick Saban's when he talked. And, and what you see is about a little over six minutes... And for the first 
it's about 6.30-something. And for the first close to six minutes, Nick Saban is giving a real, very realistic presentation of what's going on in college football. And then he went where he shouldn't have gone. As, as Deion Sanders said, he, and I, I won't quote it right, but he, he veered left when he should have stayed right. And, and Deion's right. Because what Nick was saying, what Saban was saying was fine because it was in the general talk of NIL and how ridiculous it is that the NCAA washed their hands. And we'll, we'll, we can get into all that. But it was the last 40 seconds where Nick Saban went where he shouldn't have gone. When he said, we were number two in recruiting, AM was number one, and they bought all their players. He never mentioned Jimbo Fisher's name, and he never mentioned Deion Sanders' name. He said, Texas A&M bought all their players, and then he said, over at Jackson State, when they, they paid the kid a million dollars, a really good a Division One player, as Nick Saban put it. I think it was a number two ranked, a really good one. He didn't say, like, this unbelievable five-star that we wanted. He said, a really good one, um, that, and Jackson State paid him. And you saw uh, um, Jimbo go nuts. Uh, Deion Sanders, on the other hand, basically said, yes, he's called me. I'm not talking to him privately. He said this publicly. I will talk to him publicly about it. We can have that conversation. Yeah, so, he, gave, he gave his quotes to Jean-Jacques Taylor of Anscape.com. So that was where his statements and those came out publication-wise, just to give him credit. Because basically, Dion was saying basically what I'm saying. You know, he was talking to a bunch of guys, a bunch of boosters who he wants to help work for him at Alabama. But he just took that one wrong turn of mentioning names. And when you mention Texas A&M and the football program, you're basically naming Jimbo Fisher, and we're mentioning Jackson State. You're mentioning Deion Sanders, even though we didn't. So that was wrong for Nick Saban to do, in my opinion. Completely wrong. Because Nick Saban, for almost six minutes, I was agreeing with everything that he said of, of what he was saying. And then he went. He should not have gone down that path. We can get into the whole NIL discussion. I don't give a shit if collectives are offering money to kids to come to their school. I don't care. Go ahead. Because the NCAA, they made all of this. They, they First, the NCAA punches piloted it and washed their hands of it and said, just go by your state rules. And if your state doesn't have rules, make up your own fucking rules. I mean, seriously, this is what they did. So now all of a sudden, we've already ripped them for saying, oh yeah, we're putting guidelines in and we're going back in time. And if you really, we're looking for people who really violated the law or our guidelines, we're going to go after you. Good luck when the lawsuits start coming at you and you keep losing like the NCAA's been losing when they go to court. So again, I don't care about the collectives and the new guidelines that they make. So I don't care what they do. And, and it seems like college is just waiting for the federal government to regulate it nationally instead of going state by state. So you know what you get right now? You get what you get. You get you get um, boosters offering kids money, saying you're part of this NIL deal if you come to this school. So what, man? So what? Too bad. But Saban, as far as this little thing is concerned, Saban, Saban brought this on himself by mentioning Texas A&M and mentioning Jackson State. That's something he shouldn't have done, and that's something he, when he, as soon as he did it, he should have known you can go ahead and do it, but there are going to be consequences to it. Now, let me ask this, because I was, 
you know, online engaging with everything else. Like this was right. catnip for the college football. Yeah. Community. Oh God. Yeah. This was an incredible pissing match of egos that bore out over the day. It's obviously centered around NIL. That's been yeah. such an overwrought part of the conversation during this spring, but it's been there and it's been what everyone's doing. And these guys jumped in on all of this. And then I got a tweet, oddly enough, talking about, you know, I was mentioning Nick Saban, it appears to be, you know, was out here like a lot of coaches, I think bothered by the fact that these NIL collectives have taken some power away, some control right. of the way yes. these are control freaks. They might be bothered by that. And Dan Murphy, who's a great reporter for yeah. ESPN, was my former high school football mm-hmm. captain who also attended Notre Dame. Like, I've known Dan for the majority of my life, and he does an outstanding job as a college football reporter. But he tweeted this to me, and I think it it calls into question the sincerity of everything that Saban was saying. Because Dan said, I don't think he was complaining. His audience was a room full of local business owners. He was sending out a wake-up call. One of Saban's top skills as a coach is adaptation. In 2012, he was asked if high-paced, high-scoring offense was, quote, what we want football to be. And then we know the rest is history after that. And so... As soon as that happened, I heard uh, Stephen Godfrey, who covers college football very well at Split Zone Duo, who is always quick to point out, he has a wrestling background, when to be aware that you're being worked. And if I look at this situation and I say, all right, we believe that Nick Saban, like Bill Belichick, is always approaching with a men, uh, with a you know an agenda, with what he wants to get across at a press conference. The best coaches often do. Do we believe that this might have been a work? Where Nick Saban knew, if I go and I mention these specific schools while I'm trying to make this point. Because in the audio, and part of it that's not getting covered enough, I think, when we talk about what the end game of this is. If it really is, as Dion said, him trying to speak to boosters. At one point, Nick says, and I'll paraphrase here one of you is going to pay one of these kids. He was talking about what the issues might potentially be. He said, one of you is going to pay one of these kids to come to school here. And that kid's not going to play and transfer. And then you're going to be ticked off essentially that why did I put money into that player if now he's not going to come here and play? And you saw again, Nick really hammered home. We were number two and Texas A&M was number one. And I sat there and thought, man, I'm sure those boosters heard the first part of that sentence, which is one of you is going to pay these kids and then internalize that. And now if you're Nick Saban, who used the rest of this as a recruiting pitch, who talked about all the things that Alabama has been doing, thought, well, a very easy way for me to dominate the news cycle today would be to bring up a couple of these programs and to see it go off and to see this become a public WWE wrestling match that now just amplifies everything he was talking about. And I think that could be true, whether you believe Nick truly has a problem with the name, image, and likeness pay for play, or if you believe he was just trying to get that message across to boosters the way so many people think he was. So this is now coming down to what we think Nick Saban was thinking. Because, yeah, I did hear him say, one of you guys is going to pay him, and then he's going to not play and transfer, and you're going to be, first you're going to strut around in the stadium like, I got this kid to Alabama, and then he's going to leave. So I, I guess... I guess, so how do we interpret it? Because remember when he was speaking to a bunch of high school coaches and he brought up Bryce Young before Bryce Young ever took a snap and talked about how Bryce Young was signed a million-dollar NIL deal. And and that was, without question, I'm a, a recruiting thing of like, 
hey guys, bring your guys to Bama and they're they're going to get money before they even step on the field. I, and you I, mentioned I, here, our players yeah. made three million dollars in name, image, yep. and likeness money. We encourage yep. them to get lawyers. We have a collective, and everyone is paid equally out yeah, of that equally. collective. Like his whole thirty second <laughs> elevator speech was in that six minute video. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. So they're doing the collective, but they're saying he, he's basically saying we're paying everybody the same. And then there are those who go on. I think he said twenty five of his players had NIL deals to make the money that they made. He said, then it's up to them to market themselves out there. Listen, if this is what he was trying to do, so be it. Would it shock me? No. Um, Because it came at the end of what he was talking about, I just wonder if he just kind of built to this and just took it down that road I, I, well, it's the, the only reason I say it and the only reason it's plausible is because we believe Nick Saban is so good and so smart, right? Like it's like Bill Belichick in the yes. NFL where yes. we assume yes. every trade the Patriots are a part of, they are somehow the winners of because they know more because they've accomplished more. Like I said, it, it to me reminds me so much the way Nick Saban is addressing this of the way Bill Belichick always talked about analytics yep. where he would publicly dismiss it while having right. Ernie Adams, who if you don't know the name, is largely considered the godfather of modern data analysis in professional football and so it always seemed like it was a bit of public sleight of hand and I don't know any of us know Nick Saban well enough to say what's on his heart but we go through these mental gymnastics and it's believable because he has been so good and because he has traditionally been so I don't want to say calculated because that sounds nefarious, but no, he's very fair. detailed in the way that he approaches situations in public and how I, he's I, sending I just want to message. say because of that, you know, we know that there's a reason for this. And that's my question is, did he make a mistake? It's, it's almost, and you brought up Bill Belichick. Did, did Bill Belichick make a mistake texting Brian Flores instead of Brian Dayball? You know what I mean? Like, what is the reason that – What's the reason to start a pot for Nick Saban? They don't need a recruiting pitch. They're Alabama. They don't need those boosters to dip, dig deeper in their pockets. They're Alabama and their boosters at Alabama. I, disagree? I disagree. I think that was. I think that is the whole point. That is the audience in the room. And if Texas A and M outdid them, then I'm sure Nick Saban, the Uber competitor, is like. I mean, he said so much at the end. He said, "We didn't buy a single player, but I don't know how much longer we'll be able to sustain that because everyone's doing it." I think he gave everyone the answers to the test, which is what he usually does. You either change this or I am going to do it better than you. Yeah, and, and and who knows if we even believe him about not buying players. Who knows what to believe, right? With all this. But but as far as, and I think you're both right when we talk about Saban and Belichick, they always will get the benefit of the doubt until they don't. And when is that don't? When is it? Because they have, they, they have reached the mountaintop multiple, multiple times in what they do so everybody believes what they do or what they say is gospel. And nobody's perfect, so you know they always aren't right, but we think they're going to be right nine times out of ten. So that's the first thing I was thinking about, Mike, when I was listening to the over six minutes of Saban. I'm like, this is fine, this is fine. Then I went, oh, okay, he, he, he brought up Texas A&M and Jackson State. And it's fair. It's fair to think, did he do that on purpose? Does he need a better collective? Because I guarantee he knows what his collective is, and I guarantee he knows what Texas A&M's collective is. And this this is about money. And and But you love what came of it. See, this is why I, I miss everyday talk show, is because you had Jimbo Fisher saying, 
you know, alluding to the way, you know, he's, uh, Saban's been doing business. You had Dion say, listen, I've been covering that Under Armour game for years. I know all these recruits. I basically was saying, I know where the bodies are buried. You don't want to come play with me on this one. And well, that's what everybody's that's, hoping for, right? That's what everybody wants now is everybody's going to say, oh shit, give us the dirt on Saban now. This is what we want. Well, I think that's also important because a lot of people are saying publicly what people have always thought of privately. Like I mentioned Stephen Godfrey before, he's the one that wrote the article when he was at SB Nation back in 2014 about bag men, about the people who are literally in charge of these under-the-table payments that were going out. And for a long time, you didn't hear a lot of that making it to the surface, especially not recently in the SEC. I mean, not since my, you know Mike Slive came over there, so... It's just wild to hear so many people like it was Lane Kiffin for a while was the one that was just like, yeah, this is happening. And now you're getting a bunch of people that are all of a sudden pointing to this underground economy that we thought was going on for years and now giving it very public credence. But that's why I feel like there's got to be something else at foot or something that's playing in the whole concept of us getting worked. Nick Saban knows the bodies that he has buried like he and he knows all the people in power who know about the bodies of buried, especially Jimbo Fisher. So for, for me, this feels like some type of exit plan, uh, like on on his on his way. Why not? Why can't why can't Nick Saban because, be because, why can't Nick Saban be, I don't, be a paving the road to burn the house as he's as he's on the way out of college football because he doesn't even want to deal with this nil crap. Well, listen. For, as a general point, I could see older coaches saying, hey, I don't need this anymore. I'm done with this, yeah. Yeah, because as much as I agree with what's happening and believe in players getting what they are rightly owed and earned, I can also understand if you're an older coach that this is a lot of new all at once and maybe you just don't want to deal. That's fine. Leave it to someone else. Give someone else the opportunity to go ahead with those things. I don't think Nick Saban or anyone else is really worried about anyone coming and digging around there. I think in college football especially, you have big ivory towers that are built up that have a fair amount of room around them that don't always get attacked or covered the way people might like. And for Nick Saban, I mean, who's going to do anything of true value? The NCAA right now? They all see what the NCAA is, even mm. as they chide them to do something. They know it's toothless. So so here's what I my my fallout from this. If there's nothing everybody just wants to hear Jimbo and Nick Saban talk. When do they play? October eighth? October eighth. Uh, whenever October eighth. And I'm sure everybody would love to hear what Dion said. I'll talk to Nick Saban, but it'll be publicly. Who, boy, how many how many networks are trying to line that well, sucker up? And right by now? the way, before October eighth, we have SEC Media Day coming up in Destin. Right. So this is what everybody is. Everybody just wants to hear those people go at it because let's for a second talk about the meat of what they're talking about, and nothing will be done. Nothing. The collectives will go on. They'll easily find ways to get around anything that's happening to get the money to the players that they want to get the money to. That's not going to change. It was illegal before. Now it's kind of illegal. And if we catch you, we might do something about it. Yet somebody will sue you if you do something about it. So they probably won't do anything about it. So none of this shit is going to change. It's only going to get worse until there are true guidelines put into place that actually 
are enforced, which I don't know who's going to do that, or they're just going to have to wait until it's it's federally mandated in every state and not each individual state you run by their rules. And if you don't have rules, basically make yours up. I mean, it is, it's well, astounding where we're going with this. There is a blanket NCAA rule that... <clears throat> right. All it really says is you cannot use name, image, and likeness payments as enticement for recruiting. Right. And that's what all this is truly centered around is that right. notion of pay for play. And I'm with you. I don't think help is coming. No. I think we're a ways away from that. And so what I imagine is people are going to get better at this. Exactly right. Like, exactly I, I, right. I think that's... and But to your point about why we all kind of love this, like... This is this is great for college football overall. Oh, absolutely phenomenal! This kind of attention in May, building up the heat around these rivalries, it's very NBA off season. Yeah, and I, I, sh- I agree. Like it's putting this kind of attention on the sport in what's normally a very down time here. They knew we'd be ready for some of this. I mean, shit, look at the reaction when we just put when ESPN just put out the ABC slate of some of the primetime games yep. for this year. People went gaga over that, and people love this now because this is conflict. This is the soap opera shit that sells in sports right and, now. And I'll say this as well, and I would bet you agree, when it comes to then the season starts, none of this is going to hurt the game of college football at all yeah i i would i would generally agree i i think my worry with nil stuff's always been players getting taken advantage of here because well i get that from that side of it but yeah. on the field the game the college because that's what you hear from people oh the game's gonna get ruined oh the game's gonna change oh yeah no it's not no it's not nil started in july it couldn't have been more last july it couldn't have been more wild wild west and we had a great season We had a great regular season, and we had a great postseason. We had a phenomenal championship game. The game itself is not going to be hurt by this. No, and NIL was different last year. I will say that. Like, this form of NIL, where it's basically pay-for-play, was not as at the forefront, you know, before last season. But I think you're right in that not much is going to change because this is always how college football's worked. Like, if you have one or two new teams that come to the table with some motivated boosters with some purchasing power who decide that they are going to flood the money into the players now instead of just giving to the program in brick-and-mortar buildings. That's just redistributing the wealth, but it's still going towards the same end, and that's what's driven college football forever. Think of Oregon and Phil Knight when they really came on, and Phil decided he was going to dump a bunch of money into that program to get the facilities where they needed to be, to get the right coaches and stuff in there. College football has always been about pockets of wealth funding success of these programs. And that's what kind of made the notion, because one of the things in Jimbo's response that we heard, one of the things when Nick Saban was talking about this, I should say, this was Nick's point, was college football's normally been a place for parity and equality. Everyone's got the same number of scholarship. Everyone gets the same number of, you know, of, you know, cost of attendance money. He talked about equality on all that. That's like saying in Formula One that there's equality because every team gets two drivers and every car has four wheels and an engine. Like, that's where the similarities end. You look at what these athletic departments' funding situations look like, and Dion brought it up, they're incomparable. There's a handful of teams playing a different sport every year than the rest of college football. And so, for Nick Saban to say that, he might believe that in his own head, but it's just not true. But what does he believe, though? That's my thing. Like, if he he really is telling boosters, like, hey, they're coming— 
Like we're no longer going to be on on top. Like we we might have to actually coach up some some mid guys to become uh, all uh, uh, NFL prospects because we can't afford them because they're going elsewhere. Like there's no. I, I'm with you that this isn't going to hurt the game at all. But I'm wondering, like, where's the gain? Where's the gain for Nick Saban? Nick Saban's gain is, hey, boosters, step it up. If we don't have the most in our collectives, and A&M does, that's a problem. We're the best college football team on the field. We should have the most money uh, from all you collectives or how many collectives we have. I, I think I think yeah. that's what he's saying. I, I think that's where he's going. Because this Texas A&M class, by the way, like just in case anyone's not familiar, this Texas A&M class had five five-stars from the ESPN 300, 20 of them ranked in the top 150. And by almost every major recruiting outlet, this class is widely considered to be the top-rated group in the history of the modern era of college football rankings. Like, this just isn't a great class. This is an all-timer. This might be the best class that anyone's ever recruited. And it's funny in all of this because we mentioned this is about ego. I don't know, again... I I struggle to find how much of this is genuine in the response, but if you are to believe Jimbo Fisher's passion in all of this, in saying this is despicable what people are being accused of, that we do things the quote-unquote right way here, Nick Saban saying everything is equal, which implies we've just done better with what we've got. And that's sort of the funny part, is the defense always kind of goes back to two points, right? Is, hey, you know, recruiting-wise in all of this, you know... I want to figure out how to put this the right way. It comes back to two points. These guys always want to remind everyone how good them and their assistant coaches are at recruiting. This is a skill and we do it well here. And there always seems to be this larger ego thing of our college and our college town are good enough to where we don't need to pay people to come here. There seems to be a weird amount of pride to all that where I'd be thinking, damn, they are letting us pay kids. Part of the appeal to your school can be that you have boatloads of money. We talk about alumni networks all the time being a selling point for schools. Now the alumni network can actually give you shit while you're there. That's awesome. News to anyone who doesn't know it. Football players love that stuff. It's great. It's driven college football forever, and now you've got a more legal avenue to do it. So that should kind of be part of all that. But it is another area where I think ego creeps into this because there are a lot of coaches who have their jobs because they're great recruiters. And they don't want to see this reduced to just a spending war, which, by the way, I don't think it is. I don't think it is with Alabama who can point to all the guys they've sent to the NFL, all the money they've made there. Like some of these places do have other things to sell you besides the money. It's not the sole decision maker, I think, in the way it's being made out to be right now. But it can help some. And and I think Oh yeah. That, you know, listen, Nick wants it all. He wants everything. Nick wants every five star there is. He doesn't want to let one go. And and sort of the point of we always talked about winning begets winning. Bama didn't need to sell. We, we always said recruit uh, Nick should sit on a throne and recruit should come to him and say, sir, can I please play at your school? You know, and, and this may change that. And Nick isn't happy about it. It re, it reminds me, McBrennan, you'll know this as well, Brandon, is Notre Dame won their last title in 88. The Dome used to bring kids to school, right? Mm. Notre Dame, I mean, used to be Golden Dome, education, Chant at the NFL, I'm in. There would be an All-American sophomore tight end, and there'd be the highest recruited freshman coming in, and he'd still choose Notre Dame because it's a Golden Dome. And then it got 
year after year after year away from a national championship, and all of a sudden the dome wasn't selling it by itself. They had to go out there and sell that school a little more. This is kind of a larger version of that having to happen right now. And 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 also, did you notice in in Jimbo Fisher's rebuttal, we didn't break any state laws. Yes. He didn't mention the new the guideline by the NCAA. Well, he, he said we didn't break any state laws because he remember, also he also didn't say no one's received any money. <laughs> it's he exactly said right. we didn't buy any players we and didn't we didn't any break players. any laws. We didn't break any state laws, which again is what the NCAA did when they washed their hands of it. They said follow your state laws until all of a sudden the ads are getting ticked off and the presidents will be ticked off because as you said earlier, Mike, and, and we know this now, the money's going to the players and not to the school. The boosters used to give that endowment to the school or to the, to the, the athletic department. Now it's going to the players and, and, the, and the school's not getting as much money as it once did. So they're going to be ticked off and say, okay, we got to change this a little bit. Everybody's got their own little fiefdom they're trying to take care of. I think the point about the dome not selling itself is the perfect illustration of this situation. Because then what do you do? You erect better buildings on campus. You redo the locker rooms. You add jumbotrons to the stadium the way Notre Dame did. Like, you pump money into the program in all of these ways because that's what everyone else has been doing. That's why Clemson's got a slide and Alabama's (laughs) building looks like a space station. Like, it's just... And that's, you know, the other part that I hope is obvious to everyone now is there does seem to be a discomfort with players having more power than they used to, more control than they used to. The portal is part of that. So that's, I think, an obvious power dynamic thing that's always been in play for college football coaches. Because, Dad, you know this better than anyone. College football, you call them coach whatever. The NFL, you call them their first name. The power yeah. dynamic's always been different, and now that's starting to tilt a little bit with the dollar amounts that some of these guys are making and with the ability they have to leave. Yeah, I think that's – obviously, this is the biggest fear we're talking about is money kids are making before they step foot on the field or really on campus. And and, and that's a problem where coaches feel like they're losing control of who they bring in. So while I get it from their side – what I've always said when asked about it, because I'm the age of a lot of these coaches. I mean, Jimbo Fisher's 56, I'm 59, you know, Saban's 70. You know, it was, it was we, we were doing all this ourselves. Now, all of a sudden, the game has changed on us. And my, my point has always been, you know, back years ago, I might have complained about it. But my point now is, it's here. So figure out a way. Figure out a way, you know, until guidelines or rules or whatever eventually maybe get put in place. Figure out a way, the best way to work the system. And it certainly looks like Texas A&M right out of the gate. You know, as far as NIL for all athletes and help and everything, I think Nebraska came out of the gate. I think they were so prepared for NIL and how to help their students. But as far as collectives and getting money together, it seemed like Texas A&M rallied very, very quickly and said, okay, we can do this now. The bag can go on top of the table, not under the table. Let's go, guys. Johnny was calling Jimmy, was calling Jane, who was calling Tommy and everybody. And all of a sudden, $25 million or whatever later, here we go. You know, yep. And they're not going to get in trouble for it. So we're talking about logistics of how these players are getting paid and helping their families out. And Shannon Sharp kind of went off and said, like, if I could have got my granny, my granny out the shack sooner, I would have, right? But the shift is, it feels like the coaches are more afraid than, than they are pissed, if that's, if that's fair. And I think Jimbo 
seemed both pissed and afraid where Saban is kind of coming at it from he's untouchable he's he's the one who's going to ruffle the feathers and, and sit back and put his hands behind his head and, and and watch watch the world burn because he doesn't have to do much to get these guys in like you're talking about the golden dome recruiting I don't know what the 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 elephant t- road tide whatever the hell it is in Alabama they don't need to recruit much to get to Tosaluska. No, they, they don't. And I think that is a part of this, right? Nick is a made man. Jimbo Fisher was a former assistant. There definitely is a dynamic there that's uncomfortable. I think for a lot of the former Saban assistants who, you know, outside, you know, before Jimbo and Kirby Smart this year, you hadn't seen a lot of former assistants get over on Nick in that way. So that's absolutely a dynamic here. But also Dion mentioned earlier that the thing we're not talking about is the fact that some of these players are making more than position, position coaches. Maybe not in Alabama, but definitely at Jackson State. And the control over your locker room is a big is a big issue. And how do you coach up these guys who allegedly and maybe factually and in reality have more power because these coaches aren't messing with their money the same way that NFL coaches do? Right. All, all the players are making more money than the NFL coaches, not the head coaches, but the assistant coaches are all making more than, than they are. Um, but are coaches we, we, in college ready for that dynamic? Well, well that, that, that's the point. Are you ready yeah. for the unintended consequences? Well, I, we, I don't we, even think it's an unintended consequence. I think it's a result of change, and they are not the coaches are not creatures that enjoy change. They enjoy their control freaks, especially in college, and they've had some of that control taken away. See, and also, I think there's, there's the part of football where you get money coming in. But a lot of the guys who are getting money coming in, let's let's also and, and some will be busts, but for the most part, they're the five star top guys who look to have an NFL career. So there's also the part of there's that dynamic in the NFL, but those NFL players have already made it. They're already in the NFL, right? They're at the highest level. These college players, while they're getting paid, still want to get to the next level. So they they at some point need to be careful of how do I wield this power over a coach when I need these coaches and I need to play well on the field? Because you know who doesn't give a damn about NIL and what you got paid coming in and is the NFL. They don't give a shit. They All they want to see is what product are you when you are eligible for the draft? How good are you? So if you got your mill coming in and all of a sudden after year three, you ain't shit. Well, then they don't care. They don't care you were a five-star coming in who got all this money coming in. If you're not up to their standards, they could care less. I think it is about those players, though, because you might be height, weight, speed-wise, just not built for the NFL, but a great college player. And so that's what this has always been about, the ability to make this money in case that doesn't pan out. I'm with you that that's still an important dynamic, keeping the main thing the main thing. And... It is funny how that coincides with something else that happened today, yesterday because there was a little bit of a news dump. Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner from last year, announced that he was transferring to Southern Cal and he was going to go play for Lincoln Riley. And that is a decision that I think is largely driven by his understanding of, hey, this is a guy who's coached really good offenses. Southern California is a great place to live. I can go get, you know, he's, and for anyone that missed this at Pitt, his offensive coordinator, position coach, 
all all gone. His quarterback, Kenny Pickett, drafted in the first round of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he would be, in a sense, starting over with new coaching there. So he thought, all right, I can do that there, or I can go to Lincoln Riley's office. He made a business decision, and because NIL was floated out there as potentially a part of it, people lost their shit and said, this is the worst thing to ever happen to college football. How is this going to sustain when you've got players doing this? It's just what you described, Dad. It's these guys understanding, I got four to five years, and if I'm a potential first-rounder, three years to maximize my value in this window, and now he's got the freedom to do so, and that's fantastic. It is, and he understands, or at least you hope you understand, that, okay, I'm making this what could be a very small amount of money to what could be potentially monstrous amounts of money. So even though I may be making more than my position coach, I need him. I need him. I need the head coach. I need all these coaches to help me eventually get to where I want to be. Because you're right. It's not shocking that he left Pitt with all the people and coaches that left. And But then it was just, okay, now recruited. there's recruiting of an 18-year-old five-star who's never been on the field yet. And there's recruiting of a guy who's got another year and was considered the best wide receiver in the country. So tell me the shit didn't get thrown his way by schools to try and come there, which is cool. I hope it did. I hope yes, it did. Absolutely. Because well, because you mentioned the need thing there, like there is mutual benefit there, but this has been made clear. These schools need the big time players. Like Pitt wouldn't be raising their arms in fury if they did not feel like they needed Jordan Addison out there to make their football team better. Right. Yep, it's exactly right. It's exactly we're we're in a new world, so you're going to get people complain about it. But the the complaining on the outside, but you wonder what they're doing behind the scenes. And Nick, I, I guess to, to to if if we ever if we do wrap this up, Nick Saban, I think going back, Brandon, to what you said, and I think we all know this as well with Nick. Nick has an agenda. Nick has a plan, like Bill Belichick, and also like Bill, Nick is pretty pretty untouchable. He could pretty much get away with anything he wants. You see the SEC reprimanded what he said. They he reprimanded liked, both of them, yeah. But yeah, like 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 Nick gives a shit. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, Nick can basically do what Nick wants to do. And that's not always necessarily a great thing because there are things that coaches have done in college that are less than ideal when it comes to player treatment and all of this. So it, it is fascinating. We could go on about this forever. You know, there's all the points that they made about, well, if this turns into full-blown play for pay for play, we're going to have to lose other athletic programs. The, you know, that fear tactic that always comes to play in here, which is always funny to me because I'd be the first one to ask, would any of these football coaches then be willing to take less of their salary that they have earned to make sure that some of these programs can stick around? They care so much about that. Are they willing to sacrifice as well? Or is it just everyone's used to the players, the football players, the basketball players having to sacrifice to make sure that all these other programs can stay afloat? I, I will wait for the answer. You know, we saw Jim, you know, Jim Harbaugh gave up his bonus during the pandemic to athletic department workers who had been affected by that. And that was a great gesture, but this would be a pretty big one. And I'd be curious if anyone would be putting their hand up to say, yes. Put, cut my salary in half so we can keep these other sports. I think that would be a long, silent room. I, I agree. That's why I never want to see that reality, Mike. I don't ever want to see the reality of schools paying players. Oh, because see, that I... I because, that, because that won't happen with those coaches, and you will lose other sports. You but, absolutely will lose other sports. And part of me says, if that's what's keeping it all afloat, 
maybe they should think about how they are doing those other sports. Because again, it feels kind of messed up to say you guys shouldn't get paid so we can let these other people play. I, I have, and like, we talked about this yesterday. Sydney played a, you know, quote unquote, non-revenue sport. I had plenty of friends that did. But yeah. again, if you've got one group that's asked to support everyone else, how is that fair? Oh, I'm not saying it's fair, but I'm talking about reality. I know I'm talking, I'm talking about reality. And if it, if it comes to that point, there's part of me that says, yeah, you know what? They're going to have to figure out some other means. Cause I can't ask these guys to take less just so everyone can stick around and keep doing things as right. usual. Right. But you saying figure out other means means you lose lacrosse and you lose swimming and you lose track and field because that's their figuring out other means. They're yeah. going to say, you know what? For us to keep our, and, and you want, I don't want that. I know too I, many of your friends, too many of my friends, too many of Jake's friends and Sydney's friends who bust their ass just as hard as we did for football and basketball. And I don't want them, the reality, to say, well, the school could do something, but they choose not to. Bye-bye, eight sports. No, the so school I, couldn't do something. The football team could do something. And I don't think that's necessarily right. I, I, I don't get what you're saying. I'm saying that the way that equation works is... The, you know, at least the way we're led to believe, like right. I'll leave this to the Matt Browns of the world. Extra points is a great newsletter about the business of college football on just how much of this is actually propped up by the football teams. But if that's the rationale and you're saying, all right, these players, if it were to come to, Hey, you know what? It's, you know, pay for play is on the table now because schools are getting off easy with the way that this shit's going. Oh, without if they were, yeah. If, but if they wanted to take back control away from these boosters, Pay for play through the school would be a very good way to do that. And so now if it was, all right, well, we're not going to do that because then all these other sports that benefit from your guys' work would go away. I couldn't in my I couldn't find a way, like in good conscience, to say, well, yeah, no, the football players then shouldn't get what they're clearly worth because these other sports would then have to go away. No, I listen, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's why I don't want it to happen. No, I, I, no, you, no, no. Other you're, sports you're, would go away. You're misunderstanding me. I'm saying if those other sports had to go away, then that just seems like the cost of doing business. Like this is a system that has thrived on one group providing for so many others for what feels like a long time. And I, I don't know how you continue to justify it if that's the road this goes down. Yeah, yeah so, I, I mean. It's as simple as setting your own budget. You know, you got, you're like, yeah. you, you look at the books, you're like, okay, where, where's the cost coming in? Where are things coming? Like, I knew that this was going to be an issue as soon as the name, image, and likeness deal came through. I just was hoping that it would be quieter and also take a little bit more time. I was hoping these would be like backroom conversations that never really get shown to light, the ones that like we know are going on, but not the likes of Nick Saban coming out here and complaining about it. Like, if Mike Leach, or Brian Kelly even says something like this, then I don't know if we're get paying as much credence. The fact that Nick Saban is doing it, it almost feels like a seismic shift in the in the entire college football landscape. It won't affect the the fee, the, the play on the field, like you said. Right. Right. But everything just feels different now. But I, so I guess what's the effect going to be? So, but, and we won't know because I could sit here and say, okay, we're we're, we're ten months. Are what? Yeah, May, June, July. We're ten months into NIL. When are we? When we're two years and ten months? When we're having this discussion in two years, what's the discussion going to be like? That's what I'm looking forward to. I think the product on the field's not going to be touched. I think that's going to be fine. 
but what everything's swirling about where are we going to be? Will it be federally mandated by then? Will guidelines to the NCA have teeth at all ever again? Where will the NCA be? So while we're we're at it now, we love it. And we're foaming at the mouth because monster names of Deion Sanders, Nick Saban, and Jimbo Fisher are all, you know, spiling around. But where is this in two years? I, 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 and obviously we I, just have to wait and see. I can say I hope those rules don't come because I don't want to see them limited. I want to the, see. The federal rules or no. NCA rules? Either. So what do you want to see? What I, so two I, years I, from now? What do you want to say NIL is? I hope that players are still being compensated for what they are doing on the field and off the field because there is a clear demonstrated value. We'll see what that market looks like because it's early and teams haven't started losing yet. Let Texas A and M lose two games next year and see what the hell happens. That's, That's what, what I mean. Ex- That's what I'm yes. excited to see. Yes. But I'm saying I hope players still have the ability to get this kind of money whether it's pay for play, whether it's NIL. I This is what I hope. I hope that players are given resources to make sure they're starting, signing smart contracts. I have said this since day one. I hope schools do the best job they can of getting high school players the minute they are signed on to come to that school the resources to make sure they are not signing bad contracts. And then I hope that the stuff about the transfer windows for NIL becomes a thing where you have a window in one spot and a window in the other because I think everyone involved, coaches and players, will benefit from the clarity in that spot. Other than that, I just think over time and reps, we will get better at this. And maybe eventually it will give way to true pay for play where the schools won't just get to outsource this to wealthy boosters but I don't want players to stop getting what again a market has clearly shown they are worth oh no I agree I, I don't ever want that to stop again we can have a longer discussion on on paper play paper pay for pay for play if we're going to lose other sports we, we can have that discussion you know um uh, another time I, I I personally hope it doesn't get to that I, I I like where it is now I guess the question is does it need to be refined somehow some way instead of just we keep using the term wild wild west which again i'd if i'd rather have it be that than not be there so i want the players i want boosters i want restaurants i want car dealerships i want people to be able to pay players i do not want that to stop i just wonder where it will be and i think what you said mike is probably probably where it's going to be through reps we're going to just learn how to deal with it, circumvent the toothless NCA guideline that they may have, and find a way to keep doing what we're doing. Yep. I think schools will have a better understanding of how to work with these organizations. I think that over time we will understand, all right, this is how we go about this. This is how we do this and make sure everything's above board, safe, and all you know accounted for. And I think that will only come with time. As you pointed out, we are very, very early on in this. We are very, very late in this podcast. We promised you a mailbag. And so we'll take a quick break. And then coming up, we will hashtag Grill Golic. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and then boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. 
Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code GOJO and bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code GOJO, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we advertised a mailbag. We are going to give you a mailbag here. Thank you to everyone who has downloaded, subscribed, rated, and reviewed. And in those reviews, left us some questions. We said that we would get to those first, and we will get to those first. Grill Golick was a segment on Mike and Mike in the Morning for many, many years with Dad where people would send in questions. So we thought you know, we'd grill Golicks and Brandon in this case today. So there you let's go. start okay. this off with... Sorry, I thought I was about to sneeze here for a second. I was caught right in the danger zone here. I'm going to try I'm going to try and read my way through this. All right. This first one comes from the Apple Podcast Reviews from Stephen Mac 3. I love this podcast. Thank you. For the mailbag Q&A, do you think the NCAA will ever find a way to pay walk-ons? Former Mizzou walk-on with bills asking. I'm assuming wow. that he means you know, student loans or something that he was working with there. This does go back to early NIL where I, I believe BYU is the program that had yes. a donor come through some sort of um, supplement or uh, uh, you know, protein or fitness company that came in yep. and was going to pay for all the walk-ons to go to school there. So people have already tried. I know they tried to kind of give BYU a slap on the wrist for that, but I think you could see a world where stuff like that is possible and where some schools might use that as an incentive. Yeah, that's where it's going to happen. You're going to have to have an alum who owns a business or a business just say, you know, we're going to include. You know, like, like at Notre Dame, they had the whole offensive line, right, for Mission Barbecue, I think it was. You know, maybe it's going to be somebody says a whole um, position group, including walk-ons. Right, you know, right. that, that's the only way it's going to that, That's how it's going to happen, if it's going to happen at all. Yeah, I think if, as much as these players are getting sponsored, I think – one donor can sponsor the entire walk-on group for 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 a team and well and they just have to want to right right. i do wonder if because nick saban's meant you know mentioned in what he talked about that their collective pays everyone equally i do wonder if that applies to walk-ons as well and if they are seeing their cut of all that could be worth an ask in the course of all this but uh that'd be ugly the uh the bounty gate for practice squad players (laughs) dear god (laughs) <laughs> money coming out alright uh, this one from Chemgrad again from the Apple Podcast reviews if Georgia had beaten Alabama in the 2012 SEC championship game remember that was the one that came down to an incomplete pass around the 5 yard line would Notre yep. Dame have had a chance to win that national championship be honest and take a look at how that Georgia team was in parentheses I'm a Georgia fan and genuinely believe the SEC championship game was the national championship that year mm. Well, I, I can honestly say I don't remember the Georgia team. That's a lot of years ago. What I do know that if Kansas State hadn't lost and you played them in the Natty, you guys would have been national. I've champions. been saying. Okay, that's what. But when, when after when you guys were number one, when I forgot who lost, and then we were out at a bar celebrating, <clears throat> and we saw Kansas State lose, we all had that realization that went, "Oh shit, Bama's gonna." 
Bama could be the team we end up playing. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Like if now if Bama wins the SEC, that's who we're going to be playing. And oh yeah, that was that was bad. I I don't know if you remember him, Mike. So, I don't remember or Brandon. That, I don't remember that Georgia team. That very Georgia well. team had Aaron Murray playing quarterback, Todd Gurley playing running back on that team. Uh, I believe David Andrews was on uh, that offensive line. Um, Is there a linebacker they, on that uh, on that team? Uh, John Jenkins was the center on that team, or excuse me, the oh, yeah, the nose tackle yeah. on that team. Nose Jarvis tackle. Jones yeah. was the linebacker on that team. Alec Ogletree okay. was a linebacker on that Ogletree, team. That's Cornelius right. Washington, that's pretty- Sanders Cummings, like there were some stud NFL players on that team. <clears throat> that was a very good <laughs> yeah. outfit. I think we would have had a chance. Like I always maintain, we played our worst game at the worst possible time. Worst we game. weren't a great offense. We were a very good defense that just again had a bad game. You had the whole you know Lene thing in the background with Manti that we didn't know yeah. was going on. But yeah, uh, just turn this back into Kansas State slander. Colin Klein, the rest yeah, of that exactly team. Right. You know we would have done to you guys if it had gone to that point. Yeah. And the best part is no one can ever prove it. So I can talk my shit forever. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say this real quick. I feel like Notre Dame has has problem with bowl prep. I feel like whenever the school's year ends, the practice thing, whatever. I feel like that we have issues figuring out how to maximize and and and, and climax, if you will, lack of a better term. That was not the, a good the, enough reason to say climax. No, I can't say that. No, that no. Let's, no, you can say it, but oh my god! I mean, talk about everybody just missing the point now. We need to blow our load in the big game. Oh, oh my god! Oh, we need to blow our load dear in the big game. God, man! Holy smokes! You guys, are, wait, wait, oh, are you, Brand, guys, you guys disagree with me? Brandon New. All right, next question from CB sixty four Buffalo. <laughs> The hell is wrong with you? This is a family podcast. But to answer your question, Brandon, you're right. Okay, move on. All right, I want to get to this one. This is the last one from the uh, reviews. In a world, and this is from CB64 Buffalo. In a world that NIL sponsorships involved changing your name and transforming to the sponsor's mascot. So for an example, if it is Burger King, (coughs) you are now named Burger King and you look like the Burger King. What okay. company would you want to have your NIL sponsorship with? I got oh, I got to go Waffle wow. House off off top. I think I, I Well, no, what you you'd be what's the mascot? You'd have to what I, I think that's what oh, he's saying. If you had mascot. to turn into the yeah. like 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 a bald player be like Mr. Clean. Mm. You know, the cleaning solution had that tight white t-shirt and the Oh, you want to be like sexy for, Mr. Clean from the Super Bowl ads. But but I wasn't like bald. So you know what I I how about the Stay Puff Marshmallow man? I would have liked to have been that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Man, part of me might go Frosted Flakes. Okay. Be a big-ass cartoon tiger. Tony the Tiger. Yeah, wow, man. that's not bad. <clears throat> Boy, that's a good question. I know when this pod, we're done taping this, I'm going to think of things I should have said. I know what it is. I know what it is. I'm, for me, it's the Charmin Ultra Strong, the Red Bears. <laughs> oh, that... Yeah, I, I think I, that's that's that's. You'd be I'm one going. of the red bears. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do that. You want your nil deal to be toilet paper? Oh my gosh, I, Boy, I love it. You know what, Brandon? That is so shitty. Oh, it's right on my alley too. Man, oh, had to be the, done. The 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 bathroom humor on this podcast <laughs> has truly gone next level here. That's a great question. At Gojo Show, let us know your answer to that. That one is. Too. I still think I think one. I'm good with Tony the Tiger there. Like. 
I think I would in general like to be something like honestly being the Kool-Aid man like we already have Kool-Aid oh, McKinstry at Alabama who that's yeah, his nickname so yeah. being the actual Kool-Aid man would be kind of dope you'd never well you'd never be thirsty but you'd be drinking yourself like you could be yeah. very giving I, to I others love the, by the way those Kool-Aid commercials running through the walls and stuff are, what, what, oh yeah what, what's the top what's the top three pudgy or a plus size mascots in the game like I, I don't want oh. I don't want to morph into 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 a twig. Like where the where the big guys at? So I well state yeah, yeah him. Who else did you have, Dad? The State Puff Marshmallow uh, Man, Stuff Puff Marshmallow Man, man. yeah, um, yeah, for sure. He'd be in there, the Pillsbury Doughboy, while shorter in stature. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, like I mean, yeah, you are cute as shit when you're him too. So that's certainly got to be yeah. up there. You, True. you get poked in your in your tummy. Oh, yeah, and you gotta, that, but you always have people laugh. tickling yeah, you, which is kind of messed up. You do, yeah, you do, yeah. yeah. I do some research. We'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. We'll have some great answers for this on the next pod. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, yeah. Dad, this one is definitely directed your way. This is from uh, Kathy Angelo on Twitter. You hey, always Kathy. talk about the massage chair as the worst gift you ever gave to at ND mom, mm-hmm. to my mom, your wife. Yeah. What's the best yeah. gift you ever gave her? Oh, well, that's easy. Me. Oh. I was going to yeah. tell you not to say the children, but you, you talk about ego. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? How about that? How about that? Like yeah, you're damn right. Me. I don't think she'd agree. Is that, but... it's that type of edge and self-confidence that I was missing. That's why I never made it to the NFL. I never, I know, I never. <laughs> now, mother blanking me. How about that? Me. No, I have no Dad idea. Dad loves me some um, me. <clears throat> you know what I was great at? I'm not going to lie. I was great. Uh, at this point, we've been, you know, like I said, we're going on 35 years of marriage. We're, we've been fortunate enough to get the things that we need. We, we rarely buy like Christmas or birthday presents for one another because we, we have everything we need, you know, the, with the kids not to get too sappy. They're all in a good way and blah, 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 all that good stuff. But when Chris and I were dating, I was great at buying stuff. I would like go to like a department store and I'd know something she'd like, like a leather jacket that, that I, I, I knew she was looking at or like, and I, I get the leather jacket and I'd get a salesperson and I'd lay the leather jacket. I said, okay, go start matching shit. Mm. And they would bring stuff, this, this shirt, these pants, whatever, these shoes, and just lay different things out there. And I would buy it all and really just deck that out. So I was pretty good uh, at doing that. And then this is what it morphed into. Uh, Brandon, this is what you have to look forward to. And Mike, someday, maybe you as maybe. well. Um, so then it got to the point where I hated shopping when we went shopping. And I would threaten Chris every now and then. If we were there longer than I thought, I said, listen, if we're not gone in five minutes, I'm laying down. I'm just, I'm just laying down in the store. And Brandon, I did it. He didn't. I laid down. It happened like twice where I just laid down. And she was so disgusted with me, we left. The third time I did it, she just stepped over me and kept on shopping. So it worked for a little while. She doesn't, she, it sounds like she put her foot down, too, as well. And also, yeah. like, laying down in department stores is underrated. Those little racks uh, underneath the clothes, like that's perfect place to nap. <laughs> plenty of great uh, lighting, yeah. plenty of great places to hide. It's also, true. a quick follow-up question. Were you at the UP Mall, uh, University Park Mall, when you were doing this uh, leather jacket matching? That's uh, South Bend's Mall over there in uh, – in Granger, I believe. No, no. Th- this is when this is. Uh, I got married my third year 
in the league. So we were dating. We started dating senior year. So really when I got into the NFL and we were dating for those first couple of years still, um, North Beach Leather. Was it? I'll never forget the North <laughs> Beach leather jacket that I got her. It. it had like tassels on it. I think it was like teal color with tassels on it. How about me remembering this I'm am- I am and amazed. I like like yeah. my dad usually does not remember what he had for breakfast on a given day. So the yep. fact that he could yep. pull this out of his ass is clearly indicative <laughs> yeah, yeah. of him believing yeah, he did a good job. Your mother remember that. It was a great jacket. It was a great leather jacket. This, yeah. this actually is a perfect segue because I, I wanted to ask Mike this question. Your son. Um Mike, uh, you're you're not married, correct? No. Okay. You uh, you really asked that? Well, you know oh, he's you're not a, married. I'm, you're I'm, a dick. It's a setup. It's a setup. <laughs> it's a setup. All right, let me start. Let me start. Mike, you're not married, right? Not the last time I checked, Brandon. Okay. Uh, who does your laundry? Bro, me. I always say I'm a single father of none. Like I'm out, I'm out here. I went to the grocery store. I'm like, and not like any of this should be celebrated. Like I'm doing basic human activities, but like, yeah, yeah. no man, I'm out here. Me and my, me and my Dyson are out here whipping it up, vacuuming the house, do my own laundry, although not totally well. I've gotten better at cooking for myself lately. I just made like this awesome mush, like mushroom and wine reduction pasta last night. It was awesome. I saw you post it. So, I saw that what? too. That looked pretty Red good. Red wine mushroom pasta. Mike, you're, you're, it was awesome. Mike, your your Instagram cooking uh, is really good because it's all of us. Where I, I like it better that you're not a pro because that's all of us when we try and cook. Is we screw things up. We don't have shit opened or measured out. We do it on the fly. I think you do a, a good job. With I am. That. I said I am the everyman. I am approaching this, you and are. I wanted to put yeah. myself out there publicly because I was bored and crave attention, but also to show that it's okay to make mistakes and ask for help on these things. Yep, it's exactly right. Yeah. Don't be. Don't don't try and be well, that guy that doesn't ask for help or doesn't ask for directions. Yeah. Man, I ask for help. I ask for directions all the time. I think that's a great lesson from your gift buying experience. It's what we said on here going into Mother's Day about flowers. Ask the florist for help. They're professionals and they are happy to do so, and yep. it will make everyone's life better because of that. Yes, and not not to not to relive Brandon, but I did listen, and I'm glad your wife had a good time at Dave and Buster's thank on Mother's. Day. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. It'll be the last time. We'll we'll go ne- again next next Mother's Day. <laughs> Dear God, from Bobby Cantwell on Twitter, Dad in the Eagles locker room. Who was one person you wanted on your side in a fight? Oh shit, Seth Joyner. Seth Joyner is a very very scary man. Listen. It would either be Seth Joyner or Jerome Brown. Jerome was one of the most happy-go, God rest his soul, one of the most happy-go-lucky guys I ever knew. But that dude, man, you wanted to be in a foxhole with him if you were a friend or a teammate. And this is, again, with the team I played with back then. It was before free agency. So we were all on the same team for years, and we were all really good friends as well as teammates. But Seth Joyner scared the shit out of everybody. Seth Joyner never smiled. Never smiled. And you know how you we talk about flipping that switch when you go on the field? His switch never got came off. It was, I mean, it never, never came off. switch. I mean, I, 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 when I was doing Mike and Mike and he does stuff for, for the Eagles, we'd have him on. One year we had him on every week. And, and one time, we, I've seen him at some golf tournaments, so we're still very good friends. But every now and then I say, dude, man, you got to smile more. You scare the shit out of people. He's like, why do I scare people? I said, look, look at yourself in the mirror when you're not smiling, man. You're big. You're scary. You're a scary dude. And he was such a great – he was the most – prepared football player from a game plan, film watching, physically ready I've ever played with in my life. 
But dude, man, let me tell you, you wanted to be on his side. If you were not, you needed the first thing you needed to do is buy him a drink. I, I didn't know anything about him until I was working at Fox Sports and he oh. came in as an analyst. And, it, you know, you know, you just see an older guy who's just hard body, like yeah. just a chisel yeah. rock, yep. just a piece of iron. Oh, yeah. I, I did my Googles. Yeah. At, like and like you said, so serious, like Stone Cold almost broke my hand shaking it. And I was like, oh, this is this is one of the gods that they were speaking of. Oh, and, and do and listen, he is so smart in football. And when you read, he, he, does, he breaks down the Eagles stuff. He gets so technical and he's so smart with everything and people always say to me man he'd be a great coach I said no he wouldn't I said because he would be so pissed off at his players that they couldn't do what he was coaching them to do he would lose his flipping mind and he wouldn't be able to handle it because they couldn't do what he wanted them to do yeah, I think that would have probably been the story for a fair amount of the guys on your Eagles D-lines because they yeah, were some very free true. show talents yeah. in that group. <laughs> so, so, true. I, 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 so true. I do want to say you gave me that piece of advice when I was struggling with uh, – Bryant Young was a GA <laughs> we're at Notre Dame, and I was struggling with him as a coach. And I, I talked to you when you were saying some of those guys that are otherworldly, like athletes – they they struggle telling you how to do what they did. Yep, and there's they do. no telling you how to do what what Bryant Young did. Yeah, that happened in in practice with Reggie White, our D line coach, wanted Reggie to teach us one of his moves. And after about ten minutes of pure frustration, Reggie said, "I can't teach it. I can just do it." And and that's why rarely do you see, in my opinion, I know we're going off on a tangent here. Rarely do you see one of the all time great players become a great coach. Right? Because yeah. I think more the Midland type players who had to study and bust their ass and know everything out there, I think they become the better coaches. I'm not saying there weren't some players that became great coaches, but for the most part, rarely do you see an all-time great player become an all-time great coach. I think that's one of my favorite things about Peyton Manning being on the Manning cast is there's times when you can tell he's so clearly pissed off, either oh, yes. with the yeah. con- constraints of the broadcast or that the players aren't as good as him and doing the yes. decisions that he... Like, you could see when he gets forward in the chair and he starts to ignore whatever Eli because Eli just wants to sit there and crack jokes <laughs> and talk shit talk, he's, Eli's yeah. the best but Peyton's sitting there and you can see him getting mad because he's pissed yeah. off that the coaches and players aren't doing what he perceives yeah. as the right thing in his supercomputer football brain it's exactly right it's exactly right man they just can't deal with people not being being able to do it they're, they're almost like why can't you do that we can't do it because you're one of the greatest to ever yeah. do it, okay? You're better than me. Do, do you want to hear me yeah. say it? You're yeah. better than me. <laughs> and everything. Oh, my yeah. God. And everything. So true. Uh, all right. Um, I want to get this one in. Uh, we have the PGA Championships going on uh, this weekend. And this is from Rails and Sports. Um, thoughts on the PGA possibly banning players for playing in other leagues. Now, when I'd say other leagues, that's clearly in reference to the Saudi-backed Live League that would um, be taking place that Phil Mickelson was associated with. Jack Nicklaus was offered $100 million to potentially be a part of. So uh, what do you think on that one, Deb? So so quick quick, uh, uh, info on that for those that may not know. If you're a part of the PGA and you want to play in that event, and the first one's coming up in June, I think June 9th and 10th or something like that, the Saudi event, LIV, I think it's called, whatever, L-I-V at LIV, you have to put in a request or a waiver or something to the PGA to not play in the, that event and play over with the Saudi League. You have to put in, and players did, and they were all denied. 
the PGA basically said, no, we're not giving you permission to do this. So and, if they were, and they were threatened with the the threat was thrown out there of a potential per, you know lifetime ban or a ban or a exactly. suspension in the immediacy. And so so to answer that question, that's where I was going. Is that's what else they said? If you play in that without our permission, we are thinking about banning you for X amount of time or for good. So it'll be up to the players. Will somebody break off and take that chance? Because again, that Saudi league, they're throwing money at you. They're basically doing like $25 million purses per event, like $4 million to the winner or something like that. And it's so, but yes, I do think if, if players do it without getting permission from the PGA, they will be at least suspended, if not banned, for a while. I can understand why the PGA is doing that. I can certainly have a moral disagreement. We know sure. with the Saudi sure. League, some of the things that have gone on, the term sports right. washing, using this to potentially cover up for a lot of the human rights issues that go on under the rule of that regime. And so I can have a moral disagreement with all that. I can say I'd want no part of it. I can say I understand the, the PGA's stance of trying to squash a rival league. I wonder how I'd feel about that if the rival league was not backed by someone whose hands were, you know, covered in the things that these guys are. So I think on general principle, it would probably be if this was a third, you know, just an other league and not this particular league, I'd probably feel differently about it and think the PGA is trying to protect its own self-interest here. This is messed up that these guys wouldn't be allowed to go. And in some cases, again, if it were not, you know, essentially blood money here, Right, exactly. If it weren't yes. that, like the purses being thrown around could be life changing. If you're a lower level golfer on the tour, if you're someone who's just trying to actually make their living and not be one of the greatest in the sports, I would feel badly about it. But again, knowing the source of this for that league, I Wouldn't find that it, right. so disagreeable that I'm not really going to lose sleep over that right now. And, and think about that: the the players that are going to play in those tournaments are going to be players we don't know. Because the top players are not going to be there. And the winners are going to get $4 million. I mean, they're all going to get so well paid. And that's just the winner. So I don't know the whole pay structure going down. But the money they're throwing around. And then at the end of the season for the championship, it's crazy. So, yeah, for guys who haven't made a name for themselves and go in that league, they are going to make a boatload of money. And I'm with you. If it were X company doing this, throwing out the same money, I definitely think you would get some players that would jump to that. But I would I would be stunned if you get anybody that is going to jump and play with them. Nope, that's going to be a tough one here. Um, all right, uh, let's round this out with this one. Um, Mike, I'm looking at one. and it, right, Brandon, you, round out one. You, you make your choice, Brandon, and you go with this one. I want to see what's got the light in your <laughs> eyes right now. Well... There's a there's a three word question that I just love and, and shout out to uh, A R Rosen seventy six thoughts on sporks but I just want to put that in I just going to put that back of your head we can bring it up later this is the one that I really want to get to Ian Nichols says power rank the following and this is very important Chick fil A K F C Popeyes Raising Canes Zaxby's <sighs> okay. Um, now we're talking about fried first, chicken here. Now I just I don't know if, I don't know if anyone doesn't know uh, those uh, publications. <laughs> we're talking so about fried, I have a qu- fried chicken. I have a question about that. Um, but first, if a spork is all I have, then I will use a spork. Oh, thank you. I have no problem. 
All right, yeah, obviously, I, yeah. Big I, fan, big fan yeah. of the spork. I love innovation. Yeah. I love combos. No problem with the spork. No problem at all. The spork is the best thing for a lot of these fast food eateries like a KFC, yes. like you know, with yeah. the, you know the gravy, mashed potatoes, right. red beans, and rice. Continue. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, so all the places you mentioned, basically, you're talking like, like, like raising canes to me is is the best. I get the chicken strips. But <laughs> That's all they have. Uh, but I love them. God, I love them. I love the sauce, the Texas sauce. But here's the thing. If you're talking KFC, are you talking none of those other places gives you a bucket of chicken, well, right? Well, Popeye's. So that's, and that's the difficult part of this okay. is so Chick-fil-A, largely chicken sandwiches, chicken nuggets. Sandwich. You're talking about, like you said, Cane's and really Zaxby's too are more Zaxby's. chicken tender right. based. Zaxby's guys has exactly. wings too, but only KFC and Popeye's have true like bone-in fried chicken. And so it's kind of difficult to rank all of them, but this yeah, is the task yeah, that we have is. been given. So Brandon, you were excited for this question. Do you want to start? Well, I mean, I do feel like I have the key. <clears throat> like the the one true answer, and also it does tell on yourself a little bit by the ranking because you know some people out here are still boneless people. Um, but let's be real: fried chicken isn't the same as is wings. No, we can of agree course with not. That. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay, we're on the same page. Okay, so I am a I'm a fried food connoisseur. You know, I do like I do like the breading. You know, some people that like to just rip off that fried. Uh, crinkly, crispy goodness, and get right to the meat. Oh I think those God. people are oh, yeah, they're psychos, crazy, um, the devils. With that, I think Chick Fil A has the best chicken, but it's not breaded. Enough. It's almost like uh, if if Chick Fil A is is uh, angels' food, Popeyes is devils' food. Um, hmm. I mean, so let me just throw this out here, okay? Because right. also we don't talk about the fact that Zaxby's has really good chicken salads as well. Uh, but I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go Popeyes. Raisin Cane's, gosh, Chick-fil-A, Zaxby's, and I'm sorry, Muhammad Ali, I got to put this last, KFC. KFC's at the end. Well, see, I- I'm going the other way. I'm, fir- I'm doing two rankings, one on a bucket of chicken because I'm, I- I- I've never in my life had a chicken sandwich at KFC. So if, if we're going bucket of chicken from Popeye's and KFC, I'm going KFC. Mm. Okay. I-, mm. I-, I love their uh, – and-, and if I'm going chicken sandwich – now rank chicken. I'm going Popeyes first. Ooh, see that is yeah. that is I like one that. I would say the Popeyes chicken sandwich. When we did the chicken sandwich wars, yeah. I think it was either before Phenomenal. or just after 2020. Popeyes yeah. was the winner. Big, oh. huge piece of meat, well breaded. Yeah. You got bang for your yes. buck on that thing. So yeah. totally Great with you. Well. That's where I go. Good. Yeah, I'll take the Popeyes chicken sandwich over the Chick Fil A one. I'll say it. I will too. Oh yeah, the chicken sandwich. I'm going Popeyes first. Bucket of chicken, I'm going KFC. Bucket of chicken, I'd probably go Popeye's first. That Cajun blend of herbs and spices, man. It just, mm, 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 it, do, it does something different for me here. I, hmm. Brandon, I honestly, I would probably go with your list and then maybe switch Zaxby's and Popeye's. I, only because, and I will admit this because I'm sure Zaxby's folks are, I'm less familiar with Zaxby's. Haven't eaten at that one nearly as much. I have obviously pile-driven I, plenty of KFC and Popeye's, plenty yep. of Chick-fil-A yep. and Cane's. Yep. I think Cane's is absolutely properly ranked on this. <laughs> Love Those chicken tendies are just incredible. That's all they need. Just, just incredible. That's all yeah. I need on the menu. Oh, truly. Mm. Without a doubt. Canes is oh God is so good. My mouth's watering. Yeah, we are all okay, now sufficiently watering. hungry <laughs> yeah. after doing yeah. this. You so thank you to everyone who submitted the questions that made my father drool and spit up on himself on air on this podcast. Please continue 
to download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And of course, check out Golik and Smetty every Wednesday. My dad and Jessica Smetana. Make sure you go and give their podcast some love. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Hit the little check button that does the automatic downloads. It helps us. It helps Boom. you. It makes life so much easier. Dad, thanks for stopping by, man. Hey, man. Glad to be here. Always glad to help out. Enjoy talking with you, Yeah, too. we had, listen, two in one week. We did a little home and home. I went on Golik and Smetty. You came on the show here. You love how, to how see do you it. Do? Now, how do you do on Golik honestly? Oh, he did great. Okay. Uh, listen, that's the one thing Mike and I never have to worry about when we're sitting down together is talking. <laughs> I mean, you could you could throw out any topic and we could talk forever on it. So that's that's not an issue. All I got to say, though, is and you guys have been on the uh, doing this for a couple weeks now, right? Three weeks. So and it's week three. And I've been a, I've been a guest twice already. I don't know if you've had any other repeat guests. So I'm now wondering if I am just was I a guest for this taping because three or four other people said no. No, you were definitely our thought on Friday, but it was also because I knew you'd be very easy to book. Okay. All right. I, I'm glad you told me the truth. I appreciate that. Listen, I, appreciate I, I, I was just as easy to book for you guys. You're that's exactly right. If ever I'm in a bind, believe me, the call's coming. And from the producer analytical mind, your episode did well, so I, I try to I try to make sure we get you back. Uh-huh. Strong, strong downloads. Well done. Strong downloads. That's great leadership. There you go. Wonderful. Fantastic leadership. Thanks for everyone who made it this long. God help you. We hope you enjoyed summer, all of it. We'll talk to you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.